I was talking to a lady once upon a time who believed in generational curses. She didn't say it that way, but she said that, well, her mother was on medication and her grandmother was on medication and therefore she had to be on medication too. I'll tell you more about that story in just a moment. But let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you the victim of a generational curse? Is there something wrong with you that only makes sense when you filter it through a generational curse construct? Did you know that some Christians believe this? I want to talk about it in this podcast. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas, and I thank you so much for being here. If you want to read this article, you're welcome to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for this article, Generational Curses. Are you cursed? You can type in generational curses, generational or just curses, either one. It will work. It will get you to this article, and you're welcome to read it and share it with all of your friends. If you want to talk about it, please do that. You can come to our website. We have free community forums that you can talk on I want to get to the article in just a moment, but I want to tell you why our community forums are free. Deborah became a supporting member yesterday at $5 a month. Lynn became a supporting member at $75 a year. Chris became a supporting member at $20 a month. Marjorie became a supporting member at $5 a month. Diana at $50 a year. Sophie five dollars a month thank you i wanted to i wanted to call your names out because i want to say thank you to you specifically because you are partnering with us in this great gospel adventure and you're helping us to reach a lot of people if you want to support us please go to our website and you can do that it's really easy to do and if you're not sure how to do it just jump on our live chat feature and we'll be right here to talk to you and walk you through the steps i also want to say hi to john and sandy they were on live chat just or sandy was just a few moments ago from Fort Worth, Texas, and they wanted to say hello. And so hello, John and Sandy. They were listening to one of my podcasts, and they wanted to say thank you that they were listening to it together. And so I got the message, Sandy. I'm glad you're listening to that podcast. If you happen to be listening to this one, you have been called out. Longtime friends of ours who are now living in Texas. All right, let's uh, talk about generational curses. Are you cursed. Back to my friend Mabel. Of course, that's not her name, but this story is very true. I don't remember the person's name, honestly, and of course it doesn't matter, but the story is important. When Mabel came to me, she could not stop gushing about how happy she was. God was amazing, and she was living in sustained happiness. Her prayer life was fulfilling, her Bible reading was alive, and her ministry opportunities were plenteous. The more she talked, the more I wondered why she was seeing me for counseling. She spoke honestly, without interruption, for 30 minutes about the goodness, the bigness, the kindness of God, and I was perplexed. 
It appeared to me that Mabel was the first counselee ever to come to me because she was too happy. Sometimes I jokingly say that nobody comes to me because they are struggling with happiness. I am the guy at the circus who walks behind the elephant. The view is always the same. It's always sad. It's always hard, arduous. It's always disappointing. But here we have Mabel, the happy person. And at some point during her joy-filled monologue, she inserted that she was also on medication. It was a passing comment with no elaboration. Mabel continued to talk for another 30 minutes, and her statement about medication meandered to the bottom of her joy-filled blather. After she left, my counselor in training asked if I heard her say that she was on medication. I said that I had, but it got lost in her happy talk wind machine. Well, we both agreed that it would be wise to bring her back for another appointment and ask her about the medications. And so the next week, Mabel came in and I popped the question. I asked, last week you said you were on medications. Will you tell me more about that? And that was it. Nothing more. It was a simple question. And what followed was stunning Without hesitating, Mabel began sobbing and then yelling at me. I'm for real here. She did. She was crying, and I think profuse would be accurate, and yelling is definitely accurate. It was the exact opposite of the over-the-top emotion from the previous week. She continued to cry while elevating her voice and accusing me of insensitivity for 15 minutes. Mabel interpreted my question as an attempt to take her medications away from her. And so she doubled down because that was not going to happen. She said that her grandmother and her mother were on the same drugs. That's when Mabel tipped her hand. She believed in generational curses. Though there was no objective evidence to support her cursed claim, she believed it was God's will for her life, and I was the bad guy attempting to take her medications away from her. I was only asking a question. I said absolutely nothing about stopping her drug use. In fact, I'm very clear on this matter. I never ask anyone to stop taking medications, never have, and by the grace of God, never will. But she did not know this. She had a self-generated faith in medication, and it was so strong that a suggestion or an implication, as she interpreted in my case, to the contrary was an insult to her. From her perspective, it was like pushing her out of an airplane without a parachute. And I understand this. Now, this is a point for all of you counselors out there. Though you may disagree with where a person has placed their faith, be careful about ripping their faith out from under them because then they are free-falling. 
you have, in essence, metaphorically speaking, pushed them out of an airplane without a parachute, and that's how Mabel felt. Now, I did not do that intentionally. I was just asking a simple question, but from Mabel's view, God was not helping her overcome her problems. The Spirit was not empowering her through the many sanctification issues that she had. The grace of God was not working either. It was the meds. They were sustaining her. And guess who the meanie was who was taking her self-generated faith through medication away from her? This puzzle was a faith issue from her, for her. Her faith in God was not in a grace-giving Savior, but a med-giving one. She was like Lieutenant Dan from the movie Forrest Gump. That's not a recommendation, but in that movie, there's a clip that you can find on YouTube where he talks about his destiny. Lieutenant Dan was troubled because he did not die in war. His father died in war. His grandfather died in war. And his great-grandfather died in war. And from Lieutenant Dan's perspective, this was his destiny. And that's how Mabel thought about medication. She was in the you could say it this way, the generational line of a, a bunch of cursed people. Now, though they, there can be value in some medications, she was not coming at her problems from a biblical perspective. In the raw, she believed she was cursed. Similar to generational curses is another line of thinking called genetic determinism. You could almost switch these two labels out generational curses and genetic determinism. Now, there is merit in thinking about genetic determinism. If you're talking about a person's total depravity and unique fallenness, well, we are determined, you could say, genetically determined. We're all totally depraved, and we are uniquely fallen. And additionally, you could add from a medical perspective, it can be objectively proven that some individuals should be on medication for specific biological problems. Without question, because of the fall of Adam, sin has corrupted our genetic makeup, and we do have physical issues that can be detrimental to our health. But I'm not talking about this not in this podcast. Let me give you the end of the story, and then I'll jump into this idea of a, a misunderstanding of generational curses. The end of the story, though every person does not come off medication through ongoing counseling, I would not want to put that out there as a false hope that you can come to biblical counseling and end medication that is not necessarily true, but Mabel did stop her medication usage which is something that she and her doctor, not me, they decided that it was the best course of action. In fact, I did not know about this because I never talked about stopping medication with Mabel, and I did not know that she had stopped. She came to me later and told me what her, her, her and her doctor had decided and what she had been doing, and she was completely off medication and functioning, functioning very well. Mabel's problems were not medically or biologically related. Her problems were tied to her poor theology. And rather dealing with her medical problems, I dealt with her theological issues. 
But sadly, for many years, Mabel thought she lived under a generational curse. And so, as the podcast Ask the title of the podcast and the article on our website, Generational Curses, Are You Cursed? Let me talk about that for just a moment. The idea of generational curses came from the sermon from Moses when he gave us the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Let me read the passage for you. It's Exodus 20, verses 4, 5, and 6. It says this, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, here here it is. Here's the line where people, they pull this out of context, and they, they create an idea, a construct called generational curses, The Lord said, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, comma, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Remember that line. You do find in Exodus 34 a retelling of the event where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The wording about generational curses is different in Exodus 34, but the idea is the same. And here's the idea. If you sin, there will be a curse on you. If you make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything in heaven above, earth beneath, or the water under the earth, what he's saying here in a nutshell, if you sin... There will be a curse on you, your children, and your children's children. Now, it is important to read both passages, either the one that I just read, Exodus 20, or Exodus 34, in context to get the full meaning. It's also vital not to take these verses out of context and make an application to yourself that the Bible does not make. Too often, people will read something in the Old Testament, like laying out a fleece, for example. I've heard that so many times. And they'll read something in the Old Testament, and they'll assume that God is talking to them and what God said back then, and they stretch it forward to all people, to all times, with no exceptions, and it never changes. This hermeneutic, this worldview, this way of interpreting the Bible is improper. Now, it is true that God is immutable, meaning that God is unchanging. The Lord does not change. We understand that. But the way that he interacts with his people does change. We see this in the first three chapters of the Bible. Our unchanging God engaged with an ever-changing man in different ways. In the beginning, everything was calm, and God, Adam, and Eve had an incredible time together. That's Genesis 1 and 2. And then you turn the page to chapter 3, and Adam and Eve decided they wanted to take a walk on the wild side. They wanted to go another way to do their own thing. They sinned in Genesis 3, 6. God did not change. 
but his creation did. And because they decided to go their way, they entered into another kind of relationship with the Lord. You see, generational curses are not so much about what God will do as it is about what people do. Think about it this way. Suppose God was like a big house, and in that house were many rooms. The house and the rooms never change. The house never changes. The rooms inside the house never change. They are what they are. And there is nothing you can do about it as far as changing the house or changing the rooms. And let's say that one of those rooms was the I hate God room. According to what God said through Moses, if you go into that room, you will be cursed. And if you have children, they will be affected adversely too. And if they have children, those children will be cursed. In Exodus 20, verse number 5, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Believe this. If you hate God, if you walk into that room, you'll be cursed. And if you bear children who are like you, they will come under a a similar curse. By the way, that's Romans 5.12. For all that came from Adam sin and death by sin. The Lord will not change on this matter. He is immutable. He is the unchanging God if you go in that room. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You see, there are some things that are unalterable. The consequences of hating God is one of those things. And here's the thing. We were born in that room, as Romans 5.12 says, Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, everybody that came from Adam and Eve were born in that I hate God room. There is no grace. There is no mercy for an individual who hates God. But then you ask, why does it go to the third and fourth generation? Well, here's the thing. It'll go farther than that. The third and fourth generation is not a magic stopping point. And it was not the point that the Lord was making. Hating God has gone through every generation since Adam first hated God in the Garden of Eden. The third and fourth generation is a way of saying the curse is unending. Every generation is under the curse of God since that dark day in Genesis If you read Exodus 20, verse number 5, as though it ended at a point in time, at that point in time, and did not run into verse number 6, I suppose you could do some biblical gymnastics and conjure up an idea like generational curses. Let me read chapter 20, verse 5 again. It says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third 
and fourth generation of those who, a, a, <laughs> those who hate me. Sorry about that. Now, if you read this verse in a vacuum, you could probably come up with a nonsensical idea like generational curses. But the next verse says, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. But if you read the passage in context, you find it in line with the entire Bible. The entire Bible is, is a story of the fall of humanity and the rise of a Savior and the reverse of the curse. You see, if you read it within the context of the whole Bible, you know that you're not only cursed, but you find out that God is a God of love and, and God has sent a Savior to reverse this curse. God has never changed. He said in the beginning, if you sin, you will be cursed. He will not go back on his word. And what he said in the beginning, he says in the Decalogue. In the beginning, I'm talking about Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. This is what he told Adam and Eve. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He said in the beginning, you'll be cursed if you walk away from me. He said in the Decalogue, you will be cursed if you walk away from me. God will not go back on his word. You sin, you die. If your children sin, they will be under the curse too. And that will never, ever, ever stop, no matter how many generations choose to hate him but Moses did not stop at our curse problem from the third and fourth generation. He kept on talking because there was more to say. There is another teaching in Scripture. It is the generational curse-breaking teaching, or what we call the gospel. You see, God did not end the sentence in verse 5. He continued with his thought. The Lord said that if anyone chose to love him and keep his commandments, that person would experience the amazing, steadfast love of God. The Lord would later reveal how that could happen for you as he fleshed it out in the New Testament when Jesus came in the form of a man. The reason the gospel is so vital to your understanding is some folks will read Exodus 20, 5 and 6, and, and they will say one, they may say that I'm under a generational curse, or they'll come back and say, well, I can't keep his commandments, though I do love him. Does this mean I am cursed? Because he did say that he will love those who keep my commandments. Well, the answer to that question, are you cursed? Well, no, not. No, it doesn't if God has regenerated you. What it means is you must read the Bible as one book and take it all in context. You could pull out these two verses in Exodus 25 and 6, verses 5 and 6, and, and really get all twisted up. But we read the Bible in context and interpret it as such. Now, while it is true that God will only love those who keep His commandments, it is also accurate that nobody can keep His commandments which is why he sent his son. Christ came to entirely and perfectly fulfill the laws of the Old Testament. And the only way you can keep those laws is by trusting him who kept those laws. The bottom line is that if a person chooses to reject Christ, 
He will be cursed now and throughout eternity. And that curse is currently on any person who denies God, a curse that will never expire. Rejecting the Lord will take them into a permanent curse in hell. It starts in John 3.36 where Jesus said, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. People living today who have rejected God, God's wrath remains on them and it will continue forever and never expire. The term generational curse is a bad term. It's not a biblical one, but a human-made concept. God only said that he would curse the generations who hate him. Individuals took his words and turned it into the term generational curses that that. It, it actually runs along the line of bad luck. That's kind of what Mabel was thinking, her destiny, that she just had a run of bad luck, and this is how she was going to be for the rest of her life. She found some verses in the Scripture, generational curses, and applied it to her. And people made it say something that God did not say while also cutting the term off from His grace. Typically, when a person talks about generational curses, they talk about it in a negative light, and they don't talk about God's grace as the triumphal answer to the curse. It's like they cut the sentence off in Exodus 20, verse number 5, and forget there is more positive about that sentence than negative. Grace is always more positive than sin, and grace should consume more of our thoughts than whatever our sins are. If you put the period in the wrong place... Your mind will go to the wrong place as it did with Mabel, and you'll miss all that God is and what He can do in your life. The point of the Decalogue is to reveal our need for Christ and how gracious God can reverse the curse upon Adam and Eve. If Christ is not your Savior, you are under an eternal curse from which you cannot extricate yourself. My father was a God-rejecter. Because he lived in the southern part of the United States and was affected by Christianity, he probably would never say that he hated God. But his actions spoke much louder than his words. You can try to trim the badness from his evil life and not say that he hated God and feel better about him, but you would only be playing games. There are no shades of gray here. You either hate or love, and he did not love God. My father was under a curse, and I was cursed too. His generation and the next generation was cursed. My parents reared me in a weed-smoking, beer-drinking, verbally and physically abusive home. My father spread his curse, just like God said would happen to any person who rejected God. But God, for reasons that I don't understand, interjected himself into my life when I was 25 years old. God reversed the curse. It's been many years since he saved me, and it has never occurred to me since salvation that I was under a curse. I was under one that was passed down to me from my daddy, but the grace of God lifted that curse. If you struggle with this concept of generational sins, may I suggest you retrain your mind to focus less on who you are and more on who Christ is and what He does for fallen individuals. Focusing on generational curses is the product of self-centeredness, problem-centered thinking. It is not Christ-centered thinking. 
and it brings shame to the work of the Lord. It marginalizes his life while undervaluing his death. If you struggle this way with generational curses, I recommend that you spend your time reading and studying and praying and reflecting and talking to others about the gospel and what its powerful impact should be on you. That's reading, studying, praying, reflecting, and especially talking to others about the gospel and what its powerful impact should be on you. I kind of sort of stumbled into a conversation with Mabel. Uh, she was in her happy mode and and she said she was on medications, and I kind of missed it in all the happiness that she was sharing with me. But in an imperfect way, we explored that together and realized that she believed in generational curses, that she had a string of bad luck, and it was her destiny to be this way. There are more people that think this way than you might imagine. You want them to be blessed. You want them to realize that Christ lifted the curse. You want them to rejoice, but they can't. Uh, that is not where their faith is, even though they are truly, genuinely, authentically born from above. If you need help with these things, or if you know someone that needs help with these things, would you reach out to us on our forums? We have community forums that you make sure you fill out your username and password. Those things are free to you. And you can get on our forums and you can ask questions. People have been doing that all day today. And they'll do it tomorrow as well, hopefully. And you can do that too. It would be our joy to talk to you. I do recommend that you read this article, Generational Curses, Are You Cursed? I have three other articles that are linked here that will serve you as well. And you're welcome to read them. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Let us know how we can help you. Jump on our website. We'll be here to serve you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.